Podcasting, The Final Frontier. This is the Hammer Podcast. It's 30-minute mission to rehash geeky topics, to seek out new bastions of nerdiness, to timidly go where the more talented have gone before. Greetings, and welcome to the Hammer Podcast, the official podcast of thehammerstrikes.com. I'm your host, Gene Hendricks, and we do have a rather long episode today, but it is well worth your time. However, I do want to get to some feedback before we get going on that, and the only email I have this time out is from Chris Franklin of the Supermates Podcast and the Power Records Podcast over on the Fire and Water Network. Subject is talking about my generations, and he writes, Hi, Gene. Great set of episodes on Superman and Batman Generations. Like you, I haven't read the third series, but love the first two. I'm happy to report this is a favorite series of my son Andrew as well, and he has reread my copies over and over again. I believe Michael is right in that the Joker's post-World War II status as Soviet prisoner is a result of the Batman-Captain America crossover book. That is another fantastic comic, and definitely one of the best of the DC-Marvel co-productions. If you like Generations, and I know you do, you can't go wrong with that book. Much like the nearly contemporaneous Elseworlds project, JLA The Nail, which we just covered on Supermates, Generations does have some truly heart-wrenching moments, but overall, I always think of it as just a fun series celebrating everything I ever loved about both title characters. And you and Michael did a bang-up job covering it. Chris. Well, thank you very much, Chris. Uh, I know Mike and I had a really fun time recording that, and from the feedback I've been getting, it sounds like all you listeners out there want us to do Superman Batman Generations 2, which I am more than happy to do. I just have to get with Mike and figure out when we can do it. Uh, I am more or less booked for the rest of this year because I'm doing this whole planning ahead thing, which is kind of unusual for me with this podcast, but we'll see what we can work in. You may get a special episode here or there. I'm not entirely sure yet, but if you would like to give me your opinion on what you want me to cover, such as Generations 2 with Michael Bailey, or maybe something else, another Legends of the Superheroes that I haven't done yet, please write in and let me know. That would be Gene at thehammerstrikes.com. And after a quick promo break, we'll get right into our conversation, this time all about the generations of the Skywalker family. See you on the other side. Generation Star Wars is speaking up and sharing its story. I'm Andrew Leyland. I'm David Michelini. I'm Tom Panneries. I'm Steve Glosson. I'm Matt Hunsworth. I'm Scott Gardner. I'm Ryan Shaw. I'm Paul Herman. I'm Jimmy Mack. I'm Ryder Waldron. I'm Justin Bolger. I'm Joseph Tavano. I'm John Jackson Miller. I'm Concetta Parker. I'm Steve Sansweet. And this. And this. And this. Is my Star Wars story. Is my Star Wars story. My Star Wars story. My Star Wars story. My Star Wars story. My Star Wars story my star wars story my star wars story my star wars story monthly at mystarwarsstory.com and available in the itunes store welcome back and continuing my look at generational stories in media we have another guest with us today and this this person is 
a veteran podcaster. He is the co-host of Earning My Ears and Growing Up Star Wars, the driving force behind Dinner for Geeks, meaning, you know, the only one to do any work, <laughs> and the creator of My Star Wars Story, which is an excellent podcast that, um, so are the other ones, but definitely check that out because it's def it has something to do with what we're talking about today. Mr. Scott Rifen, how are you, sir? Ha! <laughs> We're from South Georgia. I have to introduce myself that way. Hi, how you? How y'all doing? Uh, and plus, my buddy Steve Lawson would would never forgive me if I didn't represent okay. South Georgia. Uh, I'm, I'm, life's good. You know, it's funny you you talk about uh, generational stories because while Star Wars, and now we're going to discuss the generational story that is. Star Wars, but Star Wars fandom has become a generational story. Oh yeah, I know. My my daughter loves Rebels, mm -hmm. and now we've gone back uh, since we have disposed of satellite. We don't get Rebels anymore, uh -oh. <laughs> so we've gone back and started watching Clone Wars, and she likes that too. Because, oh, I bet. You know, we got up to Rebels where Ahsoka had gotten involved. Mm -hmm. So now she goes back and says, oh, well, this is Ahsoka when she was young, you know, closer to your age. Oh, great, this is wonderful. Yeah. And, and we called her Snips, and we don't really know why. Because they were trying to push stupid nicknames? <laughs> that must be it. Yeah, well, I mean, any anything that comes up with Sky Guy as a nickname for Anakin is... Uh... Yeah, there were some early missteps on that show before it found its footing. Yeah, but it eventually did, and that brought us to where mm -hmm. we are today. And yep. I, I just wish Disney XD didn't require a provider login when you go to watch videos on their site. Oh, yeah, that's not good. Oh, well. It'll be out on DVD eventually. Yes, it will. Everything's out on DVD eventually. Well, yeah, except that last damn season of The Muppet Show, but that's a whole different thing. <laughs> I saw Hunsworth going on about that the other day, and I went, you know, he's right. Yeah. So. Well, we only have, I think, four, four or five uh, the DVDs of The Muppet Show, but one of them is the one with the stars of Star Wars, so we're covered. Ooh, excellent. And... <laughs> Yes, Luke Skywalker and his cousin, Mark Hamill, who guards right. Gershwin. One of my favorites. That one's one of my favorites. And Alice Cooper episode. Ah, okay. I really like the Peter Sellers one as well. Ooh, Peter Sellers. Well, you know, you know. here's... Let me get weirdness. I know we're talking Star Wars today, but Peter Sellers and Alice Cooper were buddies. Really? How about that? I can say it. And uh, when they'd go to England, they would go hang out with Peter Sellers. Cool. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, Alf, uh, Alice Cooper wrote a uh, a biography called Go Golf Monster, mm -hmm. and in that he details their his he and his wife's friendship with Peter Sellers. Cool. It's really straight, a really strange pairing, but but true. Well, considering the senses of humor of both of them, I can see it yeah. working. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, but like we said, we are talking Star Wars today, and yes. uh, as most people know. Uh, I, at least I hope most people that listen to this podcast know, Star Wars, the movies, and we're only talking about the seven films today, is the story of the Skywalker family. And why don't, we, why don't we just start all the way at the chronological beginning, not the release order beginning, but the chronological beginning, and we have young Anakin Skywalker and his mother. Now, in episode one, I it seemed kind of an interesting relationship they had. She she was not really all that protective of him, you know? Yeah, she did kind of just let him do whatever, didn't she? Yeah, he's oh, like... Anakin, I worry about you, and that was about it. Yeah, I, I worry about you when you go and race in these death machines around... But no yeah. human being survives? Go ahead, son! 
Just be be home when the streetlights are on. That's yeah, fine. maybe she was just trying to get rid of him. Yeah, well, you never know. Or or she figured, you know, she started he's a to believe. Yeah, he, he's a slave. He doesn't have a dad. Let him go learn on his own. Yeah, he'll wind up in prison before too long anyway. Let him. You know. <laughs> but obviously, he you know he really loved her because he went you know homicidal when she died. Yes, in episode two. But it wasn't really that that relationship wasn't explored a lot. It was just kind of there. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how much Lucas had in mind for it. I mean, it's not like it was ever important other than she's his mother, you know? Well, well, yes, yeah. I mean, she, she kind of wound up being his motivating force towards moving towards the dark side when you think about it. I mean, he mm -hmm. the reason he showed up at the time she expired was because he was having visions of her dying, and that was driving him crazy, so he went to go save her, and then he couldn't, and so then he went nuts. And that was really that first time you saw some real darkness coming out of Anakin. Right, and... I know a lot of people don't like the way Hayden Christensen portrayed Anakin, but in that instant with the Sand People, yeah, you saw Vader. You mm -hmm. saw Darth Vader come out of him. Yes. So, yeah, but it wasn't really there wasn't that much there for the for the audience anyway. And mm -hmm. I mean, she she was perfectly happy to let the uh, the kidnapping cult that was the Jedi of the prequels just take him. <laughs> You're nine. Yes. You're too old. <laughs> yeah, you and I are uh, like mind on that one. <laughs> I, uh, but you know, and where it goes, where that comes from for me is I don't know if you remember this or not. The build up to episode two, Lucasfilm's website did this thing, this Hollow Net newsfeed, mm -hmm. and it was all in continuity stories, news stories that are happening in the galaxy at that time. Oh yeah, I do remember that. And there were always reports of the Jedi taking people's kids away from them. And, and I thought, this is just, wow, these Jedi are a little despicable. Yeah. Now, it kind of has to be that way if you look at the way the kids were portrayed in the Jedi Temple. You know, they were really young. Anakin, at, as a little boy, Yoda says, no, you're too old. Yeah, So exactly. Part of it is, yeah, they, they were this cultish thing. And the other part of it is how much was Palpatine manipulating the media? Hmm. Because, yeah. you know, he knew eventually he had to take the Jedi down, so he had to get the popular opinion on his side. So how much did he purposely force in in there? Yeah. But then again, I, I think about this stuff too much. <laughs> no, but I'm with you. But it's just like uh, they're, they're not... One of the interesting things about the original trilogy, I've had this discussion with a lot, or excuse me, the prequel trilogy, mm -hmm. I have this discussion with a lot of people, and it seems to be the consensus among a lot of us that the Jedi needed to go away because they had so lost their way. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was a lot of it. They're taking these people's kids away from them on a pretty constant basis. Yeah, it it was more... That's why you, you can make the argument that's why they were feeling less and less of a connection to the Force is because they were becoming more of this insular, we must propagate ourselves through yes. any means... It's all about the procedure and the pageantry and the you know all the traditions, and it's not about actually doing what you're supposed to be doing. Right, they're going through the motions and forgetting the purpose behind those motions. Yes, and I mean that's another another generational thing. If you look at it, is okay. How many of the Jedi, especially the heroes that we see come out of it, 
Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, Yoda, how many of them were raised and indoctrinated like this? And yeah. you see Qui-Gon rebel against it. In, in Episode 1, he's, no, yep. no, no, don't worry about that. Listen to what the Force is telling exactly. you. Exactly. He's more in tune with the Force than in the Jedi tradition and the Jedi circumstances, the Jedi, you know, the the, the ceremony and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and that's why he says, you know, okay, you don't want him here. Well, guess what? I'm training him. Yeah. <laughs> the heck with you. He's going to be trained whether you like it or not. Exactly. So he was a throwback, and you can and you see Obi-Wan's progression through that. In Episode 1, he's like, hey, the Council wants this. We do this. And then he becomes more Qui-Gon-like as in through Episode 2 and Episode 3 to the point where he's just kind of off on doing his own thing and rarely back on Coruscant. Yeah. Which is probably what saves him, ultimately, with Order 66, because he's he is more in tune with what's going on around him that he notices something strange. At least that that's the way I, I read it when, when I watch the movie. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, it, it, I would be interested to see, and I'm I'm not one of these guys that, I really don't want a young Han Solo movie. <laughs> I know it's happening, I accept it, but I really don't yeah. want it. Because one of the things that the prequels lacked was... The skeptic? Uh, well, and not so much... Yeah, they lacked the skeptic, but I'm thinking more of... They lacked a... They, they had... Not so much they lacked, but they had foreknowledge. You know Obi-Wan's not dying. You know Anakin's not dying. You know Padme yeah. is dying. You know... So uh, when when you're watching him, it's like, yeah, well, I know he survives. I there's no tension here. He survives. Well, well yeah, well, you can make an argument one way or the other, but like in I, ep- in episode seven, you don't know if yeah. any of them will survive, and some of them didn't. I I I hear that argument a lot. I guess I don't tend to subscribe to it for a couple of reasons. One, uh, that would make all one hundred and 37 viewings of episode four that I've had over my lifetime. Only one of them is really worth anything. Cause I know they survive. And the other thing okay. is, you know, I think about things like, you know, the Godfather and mm-hmm. the Godfather was the biggest selling novel in the world before it was a movie. So everybody knew that Sonny was going to die and everybody knew that Mike was going to take over the chair. And they, you know, it, it, it didn't take away from how amazing the film was. True. Yeah. And you know, and, and you know, let's go back to gone with the wind. You know that Rhett Butler's going to say, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn and walk out because the novel has torn up the bestseller list for years before the movie came out. So I, yeah, I don't know that I subscribe to that because we know everybody's going to make it out. Okay. The tension is, doesn't exist. I, I, I hear that a lot and I hear it out of writers and storytellers, but I think a lot of those guys should know better that if you tell a story well, mm-hmm. it shouldn't matter. Yeah. And that could be another part of it. And people will probably accuse me of blasphemy for it this but i'm I'm a heathen so i really don't care (laughs) george lucas is a wonderful idea man and a terrific story editor Mm. he's not a great director Hmm. if you look i I mean think about if think about this way what uh, on pretty much everyone's list what is the single best star wars movie not your favorite but the best the consensus these days though that will change and I'll tell you why in a little bit. The mm-hmm. consensus these days is uh, Empire Strikes Back. Plainly. Right. And Empire Strikes Back is the movie, barring Episode 7, 
because that was after he was locked out of it. But Empire is the movie that he had the least amount of input in because he was off trying to get money to pay for the damn thing. Well, I mean, he well he used his money mostly. Yeah, he used his money, but he, he made twenty million off of Star Wars and poured it all into Empire. But he wasn't. He still had to go to the bank and get loans for it. Yeah, sure. But he, Irving Kirshner, did his own thing. Mm. Lucas could you know make suggestions, and Kirshner was basically like, "Yeah, that's great, George. Get over there." I, you know, I would suggest maybe I would suggest the weakness would come more in the writing than in the directing for mm. me. Um, that could I think, be. I think you got a script that uh, Kasdan beat into serious shape for mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back. True. Yeah, and uh, also in in Episode Four, we know that George, from from the actors and from himself, he didn't really give a lot of direction. So that came no. together more or less in the editing room. And let's also go back to writing, though, on that, mm-hmm. which is. And they're not credited, but Willard Hike and Gloria Katz are the ones who wrote it, who took a pass at the script and put humor into it. Yes. So. Yeah. But then you have episodes one, two, and three, mm. where at you're at a point where no one will tell George Lucas, I don't think so. That's not really the best idea. Mm. He is to the point where he is big Hollywood in you know his own studio on, mm. on its own, but it, it's, it's probably... And I can't say for sure. I wasn't there, but I can just picture as like, oh, he approved that? Ah, damn it. <laughs> that was just a sketch. I really didn't want to do that. <laughs> but again, it goes back to my point of, you know, if it's a well-told story, does it matter? Right. If you know how it's going to turn out. Yeah. Yeah, and some some parts of the the prequels were were very well-told. Other parts, not so much. We won't mm-hmm. we won't say the M word here. Just be, say the M word. Yeah, the the thing that was uh, scanned for in Anakin's blood. Oh, those. Yeah, those. Oh no, things. you ought to hear him. Oh, you man, you got to hear him hold forth on that stuff. Oh yeah. He he will. I will tell you this: if you can see an interview where he just where he is uninterrupted, just gets to go through uh, the basis for that in nature. Mm-hmm. He will make you a believer in the M words. Okay, well, I I might have to check that out. <laughs> I'll have to see if I can't find a link. He is, uh, I mean, when he when he gets into it and really starts describing his basis for it, which is, well, it, it, I mean, he 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 believes that there's a, a little bit of a scientific basis for spirituality in our world, and that's okay. kind of what inspired him on this. All and right, he, he cite. I mean, it's just it's like I said, it's 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 very interesting. All right. Well, uh, if you can find that link, send it to me, and right. I will post it in the show notes for anyone okay. that's interested. Back to the generational aspect. Yes. <laughs> uh, we we see Anakin essentially grow up under Obi-Wan's tutelage. Mm-hmm. So Obi-Wan becomes the father he never had. And it's almost like you're seeing, and I don't know if it was intentional or not, but... I think that the Anakin in Episode 2 and his interactions with Obi-Wan are uh, probably how you had the interactions with Ben Sky or Ben Solo, mm-hmm. also known as Kylo Ren, and yes. maybe Han or Luke. Because he's he's chafing at, you know, why do I have to wait? You know, why can't I do this now? Why are you telling me what to do? You're not my real father. You know, stuff, all that kind of thing. 
Yeah. Uh, and I'm wondering if Anakin's innate nature, because his innate nature is not Darth Vader. His innate nature is to be a Jedi. Sure. And that's what we saw at the end of Return of the Jedi, is that nature bringing itself back to the fore. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if that's what was keeping him in check until his mother died, and that drove him over the edge. Whereas yeah. you have Ben, when he had that, you either had Luke, who was off doing his own thing, trying to recreate the Jedi, or you had Han, who I get, from the impression I get, he wasn't around that much either. No, I think he's like off racing or something, which doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah, like it's like, with Han, it's almost like when thing when things were going hard, he would take off somewhere. He would mm-hmm. go do something, which you have the, a lot of people that, I think Scott Gardner was one of them, basically said, I want to see in Episode 7 that the marriage didn't work. Because he, you know, Han, he ne- the only reason he ever stuck around the Rebellion is because he had to. And, mm-hmm. I mean, he came back in Star Wars because Luke and Leia and Kenobi had touched something in him as, yes, okay, let me go back. I need to save this kid because he's too stupid to do it on his own, which is probably what he was thinking. <laughs> then the beginning of Empire, he's trying to bug out again. The only reason he's there is because uh, he hasn't had a chance to leave yet. You know, about, he ran into a bounty hunter on Ord Mantell, and that's it's mm-hmm. like, oh, crap, I'm, there, I'm still wanted. I need to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And the only reason he's with him in Jedi is because they saved him, <laughs> and he feels obliged. So he's he's always looking for a way out at any point. So when his personal life gets rough, he takes the Falcon and he bugs out. Which means that where Anakin had this stable father figure that was pretty much with him constantly and teaching him how to control himself, mm-hmm. Ben Solo didn't have that. Mm-hmm. And that's why he... Or did he? Uh, Yeah, we don't know for sure. I think Snoke was around at that point. It's possible. It's possible. I think Snoke was his father figure, and I think that's why he turned out so rotten. Mm-hmm. It, that actually kind of reminds me uh, of something that I did earlier this year with uh, Michael Bailey, which is the Superman-Batman Generations story. Have you ever uh, read yes. that? Uh, I've read one and two, but not three. Okay, well, I believe it. the... I think three they never collected into a trade. I don't think so. I haven't read three either, but... In that one, you have Joel Kent, the powerless son of Superman, who, because it it served the story, they decide I don't, we're not going to tell him his father is Superman, is approached by Lex Luthor. Mm. So Lex, Superman's always off on a mission, He's up, or he's Clark Kent at the newspaper or whatever, and Joel goes with Lex, and Lex is his father figure. So if we have Snoke in, involved, he's the Lex Luthor in this equation. He's cor- he's the corrupting influence, probably lying to Ben, you know, m- molding him the way he wants him. But Ben's innate nature is still good, which is why he's he's what's the quote? I feel myself dragged towards the light. Mm-hmm. So it's his Skywalkerness is telling yeah. him, no, you need to be on this side, which is why. When he throws a temper tantrum on the ship the one time, he destroys a computer console rather than the guy that gave him the bad news. <laughs> it's, it's it's basically the light side saying, no, that way, focus that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and, and whereas Vader, when he'd fully succumbed, he'd just choke him and that's done. Right, 
And then the guy would go off, put on a fake mustache, and come back. <laughs> Sorry, I, I know we said we were doing movies only, but I had to bring in Robot Chicken at some point. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I fully understand. But it, I'm wondering how much of that was planned or how much of that I'm reading into it, but it, it's almost like we have that same father-son dynamic playing itself out two generations later. Yeah. Because... Luke didn't have that. Luke had Owen. And yep. yeah, I've heard this theory. I'm wondering what you think about it. That until Obi-Wan told him his true origins, he went by the name of Luke Lars. Mm, that doesn't make any sense to me. It would make sense to me because if you're trying to hide a kid <laughs> that you know yes. the the name is famous because at this point you have to you have to think that Anakin Skywalker general of the republic during the clone wars he would be famous even on Tatooine or more especially in Tatooine because that's his home planet so if you give this kid you're hiding the name of the family he's hiding with mm-hmm. that would help with the disguise and you never hear, I know in the novelizations it's different, but you never uh-huh. hear on screen him say, I'm Luke Skywalker until he's on the Death Star. Yeah. Um, when so, so you're saying that he would not have known he was Luke Skywalker until that day in Obi-Wan's hovel. Right, where he says, no, your father was a Jedi Knight. Yeah, your father was a Jedi Knight, and don't, don't point that thing at your eyeball, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look That's, down the barrel of a loaded lightsaber. Look, yeah, exactly. Every every lightsaber is a loaded lightsaber, Luke. Please, don't do that. <laughs> um, that's interesting. I just don't know that he would so readily go, I'm going to swap my name out. I, I mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. why I said it's a it's a theory. I didn't originate the theory. Yeah. It's something I've heard. It, it, it might have some merit. I mean, you don't know. Skywalker could be the Smith of the galaxy, for all we know. Yeah. And it could Star be Killers the Jones. <laughs> yes, right. He's at Star Killers the Jones. You just never know that how common that name is. If it were incredibly common, then hell, let him be a Skywalker. That'd make him blend in with everybody. Right. You know, it could be that uh, Anakin Skywalker is Bob Smith in the Star Wars galaxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for all we know. Yeah. And that's so, that's part of the thing I like about it is in Star Wars, they never, well, I wouldn't say never, but they tend to not over-explain things. Mm-hmm. You know, they there is no audience character, really. I mean... Han Solo is to some extent because they have to say, yes, we're going here to do this. Yeah. And uh, they explain the force to him and things like that. But they don't explain hyperspace. They don't explain moisture farming or any of this. It's just accepted that you know this, that this is a real world. Yeah, we can't stop and explain everything that happens in this real world to you for crying out loud. Just go. Right. It's and, uh, uh, if someone comes over to my house and the phone rings, I'm not going to say, well, I need to go pick up this thing that was invented by Alexander Graham Bell yes. and talk to somebody on the other side of the country. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to answer the damn phone. <laughs> but back to the topic at hand, the relationship between Luke and Owen is, I mean, obviously, Owen cares about him. Owen knows more than what he's telling Luke because he wants Kenobi as far away from him as possible. It's like, no, no, you don't, you're not dragging him into this. Luke is staying here. He's staying on the farm. And I think that's why he's inventing excuses why Luke can't go to the Academy. I think you're completely right. Because he he feels paternal to him. He, He got this kid when he was a baby, and he has raised him as his son. 
Well, and uh, don't you think, and it's never really stated overtly, uh, except for that's what I'm afraid of, don't you think he in some way knows what happened to Anakin? I think so. I think Kenobi came and explained it to him. When he and dropped said, yeah. Luke off, he said, listen, you know, your, your, uh, your stepbrother, uh, not so much anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he may, ha- at that point, Kenobi may not have known about the Emperor saving him. Sure. But he would have heard the name Lord Vader at some point and, later. And certainly he knows that at least the guy went to the dark side and had to get three limbs chopped off. Right. So, uh, yeah, you're, you got to think Owen's going, well, this, this kid needs to stay here, stay with us. If he gets out into the larger world, who's, who knows what will happen? So, right. yeah, that, now see, that theory I agree with. I think Owen was, was deliberately roadblocking Luke. Yeah, he, he, because Luke, at the beginning of Star Wars, Luke is your typical small town boy. Yep. I gotta get out of here. Yep. That's the only thing on his mind. He specifically states he hates the Empire, but he wants to go to the Imperial Academy because yep. it's his ticket out. <laughs> yep, exactly. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, he didn't want to join the man, but the man's his way out. Yeah. And you know, when, when he says something like, uh, if there's a bright center to the universe, you're on the planet that it's farthest from. How many of us didn't feel that way about our hometowns as teenagers? Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm in this podunk, awful, horrible place. I want to be somewhere where there's real things happening. Yeah. I know with me, it's I, I was okay with the town until the summer. Because <laughs> we were a tourist spot. It was like the summer. Oh, look at all these people. I can't get on the highway now. Wonderful. <laughs> I just got my license. I have a 71 Oldsmobile. I want to get on the highway, and I can't. I have to take the no, back roads. No. <laughs> no, see, when when I was a teenager, we also were in a tourist area, but it was good because we'd go to the to St. Simons and look for girls who were on vacation. Ah. So, and, you know, never really had any of them interested in this stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, in order for, because where I, I grew up, it's, uh, we were on the mainland, a town mm. called Manahawkin. Then there is the Causeway Bridge that mm-hmm. goes over to Long Beach Island, which okay. is a beautiful spot, great vacation area, expensive as hell because, I mean, it's only so many houses, and but it's weekly rentals and stuff like that. So in order for me to get where the vacationing girls were, I had to get on the highway, sit in traffic, go over the bridge, find a place to park, and uh, <laughs> all of that. <laughs> yeah, see, we had to pay 35 cents to get across our causeway, and sometimes that was... That was a bit of a stretch as well. Yeah. Uh, what? You got 35? I don't have 35 cents. What are you, crazy? <laughs> and we would actually, they had these automated little uh, kiosks where they would, you'd throw the change in there and it would count it up and let you through. Mm. And so we would sometimes get there and pretend to throw change in the in the thing and then look at the operator a couple gates over and he'd look at us, throw the money in. We'd go, we did. What? It didn't open. they go, okay. And they'd open it for us. <laughs> that was all we could do. Now, how much do you think... How much interaction do you think that Luke had with Ben, you know, Obi-Wan, before the, uh, the Dune Sea, you know, before he, he gets uh, mugged by the Sand People? You know, I I may be being led around the nose by the old Marvel Star Wars comics, mm. but I kind of feel like old Ben was a guy who was out there. Everybody knew about him. I think the teenagers probably talked about him because he was probably so weird that they thought he was a freak. And I think, you know, there probably was some incident that happened where old Ben showed up and rescued them as kids. I think there was a, a I think issue 17 showed them uh, something like that happening where they were, uh, they got in a snow, uh, in a snow speeder, a skyhopper crash. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he had to get uh, Wendy or somebody to, to safety. 
the sand people were attacking and i think old ben stepped in and kind of called them all off and um yeah i i, I kind of think that they probably did have some peripheral involvement here and there yeah it, it, that would make sense because again they're the closest settlement is anchorhead they're not going they're nowhere near moss isley Mm-mm. so they're there's a limited pool of people and if Kenobi's going to keep an eye on him, he can't be going all over the t- the planet. So he's going to be interacting. At least he's going to go to Anchorhead for supplies. Yep. He's going to, you know, Luke knows his name off the top of his head. He knows he's not just old Ben. His last name is Kenobi. Yep. Most people that you don't deal with, you don't really know their last name. So yep. there has to be something there because if you look at Star Wars, yes, Luke is going back to his, his farm, etc., before, you know, he sees his aunt and uncle toasted. Mm-hmm. But he latches on to Kenobi pretty quick. He believes what Kenobi tells him about his father pretty quick. And so there has there has to be a background there. There has to be something. And there had to be a, a, an incident at some point that made Owen say, no, you're never seeing him again. You know, I told yeah. you to stay away from him. So there... there Maybe Kenobi would come to dinner every now and again to the the Lars farm. We don't know. Yeah, but there was there had to be some previous connection there for Luke to say, "Yeah, okay, I'll 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 take you over here to to do this. No problem." Yeah, sure. Yeah, and let me let me throw another thing out here that's kind of odd, and I and I feel like there's something there's something to the interpretation of this line and why it was changed in the film when they're talking over dinner about Obi Wan Kenobi and. Owen says that wizard's just a crazy old man. Right. But in the radio drama, he reverses that and he says that old man's just a crazy wizard. Hmm. And I've always wondered what is there a significant difference in the meaning of it huh. when you change it that way? Well, the the first the film interpretation would be this guy thinks he can do all this stuff, but he's just uh-huh. he's just a crazy old dude. Yep. Whereas in the radio drama it's implied that, yeah, he's an old man, but he has some kind of power, because otherwise you wouldn't describe him as a wizard. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that's very interesting. It does change Owen's perception of Obi-Wan, too, or at least his projected perception of Obi-Wan, because he knows he's so. a Jedi. Yeah. So but we don't talk about we don't talk about Jedi, though, these days. No. no In this day and age, at the, at the time of this thing happening. No, they... They tried to they kill tried to kill the chancellor and they steal all these kids. Yeah, I don't want to look up to them. Nope, best best left forgotten. Yeah, so you know, pushing Obi Wan away is another way to protect Luke. Is no, you don't mm-hmm. tell him about his dad. You don't show him any of this stuff. I don't care whether you think he can do it or not. He's staying here where he's safe. Yep, which makes Luke want to leave all the more. Of course. Just because that's how teenagers think. He's a teenager, exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> yeah, I was actually I was watching the beginning of that of Star Wars today, just just to do something, you know. And I you know, got to the got to the part with I was going to go to Anchorhead to pick up some power converters. You can waste time with your friends when your chores are done. <laughs> yep. It's it's perfect. It's like I'm I'm seeing my future in this. I, and I, you, you kind of have to feel like that was a Lucas line that, that uh, yeah, this has happened to me. You almost feel like George's dad said that to him at some point. Yeah, because Luke is, he's constantly in the garage tinkering with stuff. Yep. You know, Lucas, Lucas, Lucas loved cars. Yep. 
So, yeah, you, you can see, that's probably the basis, more or less, of the Owen and Luke relationship is George and his dad. And, and they did have a bit of a contentious relationship, and his dad didn't support a lot of what he wanted to do. Right. So it, I'm, I'm sure that's where he was drawing on. Speaking of generational sagas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't, I don't recall having heard your version of this, but how, uh, when you discovered Star Wars, how supportive were your parents towards it? <laughs> you, you talked uh, to a bunch of other people about it. Yeah. So I don't remember hearing your story. It, tune in to episode 100 of my Star Wars story. <laughs> um, which we are, that's, that's my plan, by the way, is, and I've never told this to anybody before uh, on a podcast, so you'll be the first one to know this. I'm honored. Uh, my plan is that episode 100 is my Star Wars story. Oh, great. Uh, now we're, you know, I've just put out number 21, so we got a ways to go, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah. And Steve Glossen has already said, if I have to do the interviewing, and I was like, okay, that's fine. That makes sense. <laughs> um, but when I, I will tell you this of star Wars and my parents, uh, my parents were always completely supportive of star Wars. And I think there's a reason for that. Okay. And that is they had a choice of two great passions of mine as a kid. Besides, <laughs> I know uh, where this is going. They, they had they had Star Wars on the one hand, and they had Kiss on the other hand. And they absolutely one hundred percent refused to support my my passion for Kiss. So I think anything they could do to kind of direct me to that other thing, they did. <laughs> Get away from that demon music. Here's a toy. yeah, and so, yeah, so. Uh, you know, I, I re- literally can count on one hand these the kiss things that my parents have bought for me over the years, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I I could not even fingers and toes count the Star Wars stuff, including my birthday last year. They gave me Darth Vader band aids. Nice. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just you know, it doesn't end. They're still doing it. They thought that was the funniest thing, and I went, "Well, no, I would like to have these actually." So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, but, my my parents were they were supportive as well, but. For a, well, a different reason, I think. Okay, well, uh, let me let me throw yeah. one more thing after at you. Yeah, they were always supportive, but my dad, I remember being fourteen and a freshman in high school, hmm. and one of my Star Wars buddies came to me and showed me uh, that first line of Power of the Force figures. He had a bunch of them in his pocket. Ah, now we're freshmen in high school, and he says, "Look, look, I got these." And I said, "Where'd you get those?" And he said, "They they had them at Walmart. They're blowing them out. They're like seventy nine cents each." And I said, you're kidding me. He goes, no, you better go jump on it because they're getting rid of all that Star Wars stuff. It's going away. And I said, okay. So I went home and I said to my dad, we got to go to Walmart. We got to go tonight. And he said, why? I said, because they're blowing out Star Wars figures for almost nothing. And I got to get these things. And he sat me down mm-hmm. and he chewed me out one way and up one way and down the other about how I don't need to be playing with toys anymore. I need to grow up. I need to move on. I need to start worrying about things like cars and saving and getting jobs. And uh, not have anything to do with these toys anymore, stupid toys. And uh, at that point, I stopped collecting the toys. <laughs> I, I didn't walk away from Star Wars. Right. You know, still buying the comics. I was still, you know, it was still a great passion of mine. But I did at that point go, oh, okay. And didn't buy toys again until the 90s. Mm. Yeah, see, my, my dad never did that. It just, like a lot of people, I think the I just had a switch click in my brain. That said, uh, no, the toys aren't doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. Actually, at one point, my my aunt, my mom's youngest sister, was working at a daycare. And my mom came to both my sister and I 
and said, you know, Aunt Patty's working at this this daycare place. How about we give her, you know, a lot of your toys for for that? Yeah, okay, no problem. Here, you know, here's my Y wing. Here's my Millennium Falcons. Ah! Yeah, kicking myself now. Ah! <laughs> and you know, the Y wing was actually my Luke's preferred mode of transportation in my house ah. because I could put R two D two in it. Of course, but you can do that in the X wing because it came built in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But my parents, I mean, I would take over the living room with my Star Wars toys and to the chagrin of my sister <laughs> and watch the movies over and over again to the point where when I sixth grade, I got a TV and VCR in my room. That was my present for graduating sixth grade, which meant I was leaving the town school and going to the regional school. So I got a little 13 inch TV and a VCR. So I got the, the three CBS Fox Yes. Tapes, and they were now in my room. <laughs> and that's yes. Where, yeah, that's where I watched them all. I still have them. That You know what? That reminds me. Of, see, you're doing my Star Wars story all of a sudden for me. <laughs> uh, that's another thing. You know, my, my uh, that we had a rite of passage in my family that at Christmas time, all the men in the family would get a check from my grandmother for $100. And Ooh. in the 80s, $100 is a lot of money. Yeah. And uh, nowadays, it's not even a day at Disney World. So It's four uh, tanks of gas for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so when I turned 18, that Christmas, I go to my grandmother's house, and she starts handing out the envelopes. And uh, the kids, everybody under 18, would get a couple of silver dollars, which is nice, but it's $2. (laughs) (laughs) At the end of the day, it's $2. And um, so I turned 18, and she gives me my check, and I now have a $100 check from my grandmother. I have $100 I can spend. And uh, so the first thing I did with my very first $100 check from my grandmother was I cashed it, and then I went the store I was working at had Star Wars, and I got an employee discount. It was twenty nine ninety five at the time, and I got it for twenty three something. Mm. And then I went looking for the other two movies, which I found at Walmart for like eighteen something each. So all told, I spent sixty, you know, sixty five or so bucks with tax on the trilogy out of that hundred dollars. And when my dad saw me bring those videotapes home, he had a coronary. <laughs> She gave you that money to do something good for your future. She gave you, she didn't want you to buy that stupid Star Wars stuff. And see, to me, buying Star, owning Star Wars, that was something good for my future. Right. I'm going to own Star Wars. He did not see it that way. Mm. <laughs> was- yeah, well, I mean, luckily, both my parents were, I wouldn't say science fiction fans, but they were very accepting of it. Like, my mom has told me how, as a freshman in high school, she watched the first episode of Star Trek. Oh, wow. And they're, I mean, both of them are the reason that I am a geek, just because of the stuff they've exposed me to. Mm. My, my, Even my grandfather, he would, whenever he would go to get the newspaper, he would buy me a comic book. Yeah. Continued until I was in high school. <laughs> and sometimes I got the same comic book. Mm. But I didn't care. <laughs> Someone's buying me a comic book. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to turn that down. That's... I. I don't remember, but I believe that's how I got a couple of the issues of Star Wars, mm. including the, it's not the best story, but it's still one of my favorites, where I don't remember the issue number, I'm sorry, but it's where Luke and Lando are going to the junk planet. Oh yeah, it would be like uh, 50, I want to say 59. Something around Bizarre. There. Yes. Yeah. As drawn by Walt Simonson. Yep. And that's what started me on my love of Walt Simonson. 
But that's that sure. one and the one of the ones of the yeah, that's uh, fifty nine. Yeah, yeah uh, one of the ones of the Fen Shaisa storyline, the City of Bone. Yes, part it, two. Yeah, yeah that that one I I remember vividly from being a kid, and but they were very accepting of it. But again, my dad would. We would sit down and watch the original King Kong when it was on Channel Eleven. And oh wow! One one of his <clears throat> one of his all time favorite movie moments is from that from the original King Kong, where Kong is he's got the log and he's getting the guys he's twisting it and they're falling off, and they're all screaming ah ah on the way down. Well, the yeah. last guy he must have turned around and seen the log coming at him because you hear the scream. It's ah ooh. <laughs> it changes midway. It's like, ooh, the log's going to hit me. <laughs> I still crack up when I see it just because i that's what I think. is He just turned around and saw what was coming at him. Like, the rocks down below weren't enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, and like we were saying before, you know, Star Wars, the story itself is a generational one, but it's also generational outside of it. Like, I don't, oh, yeah. I don't remember a lot of how I watched Star Wars when I was growing up. I know I watched it over and over and over, because mm-hmm. I can even recite the R2-D2 lines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my dad had to have been watching it with me, because when I grew up, we had two TVs. This is this is our original house down down the shore. It was a mother-daughter, and we lived upstairs my grandmother and my Aunt Patty had an apartment downstairs, and then all, the other half of the downstairs was the family room. So we had a TV in our living room, and we had a TV in the family room. And the family room, it, we I know we had cable in the family room, because that's where I remember watching Never Ending Story on HBO. But mm. my dad had to be watching a lot of Star Wars with me, because I remember distinctly the... The Empire Strikes Back. I did not see that in a theater. I saw that on a oh, wow. bootleg VHS. So that was one that I think one of his friends at work had it, and he he I I prob he probably said to him, "My son loves that. Make me a copy." Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's not one of the things that you would think someone that didn't like it <laughs> would do. I know he enjoyed... He and I have a very similar taste. We we like the same mm. kinds of music. We like the same... We have the same sense of humor. And we like... I mean, even in the 90s, I was in high school, and we would watch... Yeah, this is, this is how my family works. We would watch the Saturday afternoon cartoons together. We... My dad and I... I'm in high school. My dad's... Let's see, he's 25 years older than I am, so he would have been in his late 30s at the time. And we're watching Darkwing Duck. <laughs> so you know, and we're both, we both are watching Darkwing Duck. It's, he's not just in the room, he is watching it with me. So you know we, we have the same kind of taste, so he must have enjoyed watching Star Wars. Probably not the ad nauseum times I watched it. Yeah. But he had to enjoy it. And now my daughter's enjoying it. Uh, although she still hasn't seen a certain scene in episode seven, because she had to use the bathroom in at when we were watching at the theater, and I had seen it already, so yes, I'll take you right now. And she, uh. she hasn't seen it since. And the the funniest part about it was in the car ride. It was my wife and I, my sister and my daughter, mm-hmm. and we were driving back to my parents' house because we saw this uh, when my sister was up for Christmas. <laughs> 
And we said, Kira, do you do you want us to let you know what happened when you went to the bathroom? She said, no, that's all right, as long as no one died. <laughs> the car got very quiet. Uh-oh. <laughs> so she do- still doesn't know a certain thing happened. Really? Yeah. I'm not going to tell her. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil the movie for her. Oh, boy. Uh, but she she's she's a good kid. She knows it's you know all make believe anyway, so sure it doesn't matter. Uh, well, that's and it is it is it has become a generational thing. My my mom, I will tell you, I'm telling you more of this than I probably should because I got to save it for me. But um, <laughs> no one will remember this episode by the time you hit episode 100. <laughs> that many years ago from now. Um, my. The first time I ever knew you could see a movie twice was Star Wars. I uh, remember you saying something about that. Yeah, and I I had never seen a movie. Twice. My uncle was there helping. I got a treehouse for my seventh birthday that was awesome. <laughs> and my dad was putting the finishing touches on it. And my uncle was over there helping. And my uncle was a sci-fi nerd. And uh, I was I couldn't shut up about Star Wars. Like you know, this is September. This is a couple of months after I'd seen it. Right. And I could not shut up about this film. And Michael's, oh, yeah, I haven't got to see that yet. You haven't seen it. <laughs> My dad goes, well, you know, I'm kind of interested in seeing it, too, even though it really wasn't his thing. Yeah. Um, he, I'm kind of interested in seeing it, too. And my uncle said, well, we'll go see it. And my dad goes, well, you want to go with us? And I said, what? <laughs> Don't I allow do that. <laughs> you can do a thing like that? And that was probably a big mistake on their part because, you know, like every time if Empire would come back for a couple of weeks to the theater, I would want to go see it every chance I could go to. You know, my mom... My mom grew up on a farm, and she couldn't go to the movies like she wanted to. And that was always a big love of hers was the movies, but she couldn't afford to go. Right. So when I came along, that was one thing she vowed was that I would get to go to the movies. She couldn't. Oh, okay. And so just about every Saturday from the time I was 10 or 11 to the time I was you know, driving on my own, 15, 16, she would drop me off at the movies on Saturday afternoon, hmm. almost every Saturday. And so if one of the Star Wars movies was playing, I would have to fight with her to be able to see it, or I would have to go there and not see the movie, Yeah, which was, which was equally frustrating. You know, here I am, I'm, I'm right next to a theater that is showing Empire Strikes Back and I can't see it. <laughs> uh, but you know, that, and that would always be the thing. And she'd always, why do you want to see it again? I was like, cause it's Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. Why would I not want to see it again? Yeah, see, my mom would take us to the movie. She would take us, uh-huh. you know, she would be with us. In fact, I have a distinct memory of Return of the Jedi. We went onto Long Beach Island to see it. <laughs> and this was... Made it over the causeway. Yeah, it, but here's the thing. It, it wasn't, it was definitely not opening weekend. Because I remember I was in first grade. I was in first grade because of where the playground was for the school. So I, and there, it was this big circle with a, it, that was essentially a, it was a dodgeball ring on asphalt that we would pretend is the Millennium Falcon. Oh, cool. So we would sit on the one side of it. Well, that's the cockpit. And then we would go in <laughs> inside the circle and that's the cargo area and everything. <clears throat> but my friends and I were playing star Wars at recess. I was Chewbacca because I was the tallest kid <laughs> and I could go, but they were saying, well, let's get on our speeder bikes. And I'm thinking, what's a speeder bike? Because I hadn't seen it yet. I remember uh, go, uh, we went over. My sister was young enough. Because if I was in first grade, she wasn't even in kindergarten yet. And it was my mom, my Aunt Patty, my sister, and I. And we're sitting there. I distinctly remember in 
that in Jabba's palace, my Aunt Patty reading the subtitles to my sister. <laughs> because she couldn't read yet. Yeah. So someone needed to tell her what was going on. I could read because at that point I had been reading stories to her at bedtime. My, yeah. It started with my mom reading us both stories. And then when I started learning to read, my mom said, no, no, you're going to read to her. I'll be there That's to nice. help. Good for her. And I still have the books that she would read to me from because, uh, well, my sister bought my daughter for her birthday, or not for her birthday, for Christmas, uh, a little golden book collection, which is the same collection that we used to have. But I have a four-volume Walt Disney set of stories that my mom had as a kid. I love it. And, I mean, here's how old they are. They have Song of the South in there. Yes! <laughs> They have the story of Br'er Rabbit and the Tar Baby in these books. Yay! I love that stuff. I'm sorry that it's not around. You know, my, my great-grandmother, who lived to be 100 when uh, when she was in her declining years, that's what she liked was she had an old Uncle Remus book, and she liked me to read her stories. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've... That actually, that collection also has in it a story, a Robin Hood story that is based on a movie, which I don't believe is the Douglas Fairbanks. I, I could be wrong. But it's where he is the son of a woodsman who works for the Earl of Huntington. And his father is murdered by the new Sheriff of Nottingham. And so he becomes an outlaw to get revenge. And it's it's actually a really interesting story if you are all you're familiar with is Errol Flynn and Kevin Costner. <laughs> yes. Hey, no, this guy was a peasant <laughs> and he did this. So I digress. Well, that wasn't son of Robin Hood, was it? I, no, because th he was Robin Hood. Oh, he was actually Robin Hood. He okay. was actually Disney, Robin Hood. Disney did make a son of Robin Hood movie. No, this this wasn't that because it, Robin okay. was the son in this. He was gotcha. his father was like uh, Henry Fitzooth or something like that, and he was Robin Fitzooth. Hmm. I'll have to look it up. It's it, it's in the other room. You're familiar with that phrase i am very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i'll have to look it up and i'll i'll maybe scan a page for you cool but back to star wars <laughs> so oh, star wars yeah that's this, that we're doing? this this little thing yeah uh i think we can i mean we you know we've talked about you know the the obvious ones but we really don't see a lot of luke and anakin interaction or luke and vader really. No. Except in Return of the Jedi, at which point, because it's this is a year since Luke found out, if you go by the established chronology in the yeah. expanded universe. So Luke goes from thinking, even at the end of Empire, he goes from thinking, that's not true, that's impossible, to, Ben, why didn't you tell me? So there's yes. an almost immediate acceptance right there. And then he has a year to deal with it. And when he finally meets up with Vader yeah, you're my dad, I'm going to save you. Which is interesting, because you have Luke Skywalker, who at this point has been fighting with the Rebellion for four years, is up against the big bad of the Empire. Yeah, Palpatine's the head of it, but Vader's the enforcer. Vader's the badass of the Empire. Yep. And he's, no, I'm not going to fight you. I'm going to turn you back to the light. That's a, a really interesting perspective to have. And it's, I don't, I do not think that a prequel Jedi would have that perspective. No, I agree. They they would be, oh, you're a Sith, I must kill you. You know, it's, you know, you've fallen, I can't save you, you're going to die. 
Now mm-hmm. it's it there's it's not black and white anymore. It's no, I'm going to try and bring you back. And I'm almost wondering is that partly because Luke did not have the you cannot have connections speech. You know, I I uh I have obviously retroactively kind of inserted that into the original trilogy as well. Mm. And because I do think it is so flawed. You know, one of the things that's that's interesting to me is all this EU stuff, and I know we weren't going to get into an EU conversation, but it's it's I think it's relevant. A lot of the EU stuff contradicts the prequel trilogy in what they did post Return of the Jedi. If you assume that the rules of the Jedi remained constant and the same even after the fall of the Jedi, mm-hmm. and I, you know, because well, Luke got married. That's crazy. Luke did this, and they did that. You know, but the the, the honest to goodness truth is, I think they needed to be able to. Yeah, I think they needed to be, you know, first off, it is ridiculous for Jedi not to get married, because one thing that happens to the Force, even even if you don't want to believe in the M word, uh, I think it's clearly established that the Force goes down through bloodlines anyway. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and, and again, how does that happen without an M word? But uh, so you know that to have a powerful Jedi would be to to propagate a powerful Jedi. And why would you not? You know, why why would you not? have Jedi families and that kind of thing. Uh, it only stands to reason to me. Uh, so obviously there, they kind of hurt themselves. And I think also there's no attachments, this zeal for no attachments whatsoever, I think was taken to the extreme. And I think it's, I don't think it's psychologically healthy. No, it's not divorcing yourself from everything. I mean, there, there's something to be said and there, there's precedent for it. Mm-hmm. In uh, in medieval times of a holy man becoming a hermit, mm-hmm. and yeah, they they would cut themselves off from everything, but they still had interactions. They still had you know you would have a lot of times in well, let's even take the Arthurian tales, like La Morte Arthur. You mm-hmm. you would have like Lancelot or one of the questing knights come across a hermit, and the hermit oh yeah, come have dinner with me. You know, he wouldn't shove people away. He would get involved if they yes. found him. So, yeah, the the not having connections thing is just it. That's that's like what Yoda ended up doing when yes. you know, when Yoda was on Dagobah. He was it. He was the all alone on Dagobah. I am actually surprised he didn't go nuts. I mean, and you know, it may be maybe that's a, a put on at the beginning, and maybe he was coming out of being nuts. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe once. Maybe he was actually like that for a while until Obi-Wan's ghost showed up. And said, hey, snap out of it. Yeah, so no, you're not alone. We got stuff to do. Wake up. <laughs> yeah, it could be. I mean, that, that that's, I think, a genuine possibility. Yeah. I mean, because if you think about what we've what we were shown of Yoda before that, he was at the hub of the universe mm-hmm. for how many hundreds of years. He was in the Jedi Temple. He was involved with the government. He was involved with training all these students. He's the only he was the only one that didn't have one apprentice because he was he was the kindergarten teacher. He yeah. he taught a group at once. Yeah. Although he did teach Qui-Gon. But how much of that was just like oh, I could, right, you're right. You know, yeah. I, I could say, you know, my teacher to one of my old high school teachers. Yeah. I was one in a class of how many and how many classes did they have? Sure. You know? So. Well, now that I think about it, I think Dooku was actually, uh, Qui-Gon was Dooku's Padawan anyway, wasn't he? Yeah. Qui-Gon was Dooku's Padawan and Dooku refers to Yoda as my old master. 
Yeah. Because you're supposed to see... But that, again, what does that mean? Right, exactly. Obi-Wan refers to him the same way. Yeah. So, the Jedi Master who instructed me. Yeah. Uh, and I think part of that youngling scene was to say, yeah, well, hey, Yoda was really everyone's master at some point. So yeah. it doesn't... It, it makes... It makes them all true, really. Yep. But Yoda's there at the center of everything, interacting with a teeming mass of people on a daily basis, and he suddenly goes to Dagobah, where he is the only, as far as we know, sentient life form, and there's a dark side cave right there. Mm Mm-hmm. That is not good for your mental health. No. And he was there for 20 years. Yep. So, so who's to say he wasn't actually a little nuts when Luke got there? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, I did not expect that to come out of this conversation, but that's no, really but cool. It, you know, I didn't either, but, I mean, really, when you think about it, uh, you know, and you're talking about as unhealthy as the Jedi were and their their mental practices, it's, it's a distinct possibility that he went a little crazy out there. Yeah. And it, it's possible because Luke had all of this interaction. Like, he had family. He had his yeah. aunt and uncle. He had Ben Kenobi for, you know, the, the short time. He uh, had an adopted family with the Rebellion, with Han, Chewie, and Leia, and even the droids, where he has this nucleus of a family, and he's got his friendships with, with Wedge and with Hobby and, all, you know, with mm-hmm. Dak and everybody. And then he, come, he, he sees Yoda, he meets Yoda, and Yoda probably falls into old routines and tells him, no, you need no connections, and looks like, you're crazy. No, yeah. I'm not giving up on my friends, which is why he, he leaves Dagobah, to save his friends, yeah. regardless of what Yoda says. Because at, at this point, Yoda's telling him, no, cut all ties, you can't go to save them, and... Well, well, I don't know. I mean, because he, what he really says is, if you stay, you'll help them better. Right. If you go, mm-hmm. you will not help them the way you think you're going to help them. Uh, it, Yeah, you'll risk all that they have fought for. Yeah. So, but... How much of that is Yoda telling him, yeah, you, this is actually a trap for you, and how much of it mm. is, no, stay and complete the training. They, in the grand scheme of things, don't matter as much as training a new Jedi. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, too, because it, he really leaves it to Obi-Wan to tell him that it's a trap. I mean, Obi-Wan says, it's you, the Emperor, you know, it's your abilities the Emperor wants. Yeah. So he's the one who stands up and has to be the bad guy and say, look, this is all a trap. They're trying to get you to go there, and you're going. Yeah. So the impulsive act. Now let me ask you this: Ultimately, was it the right or the wrong thing for Luke to have done? Were, was Obi Wan correct? Were Yoda was Yoda correct? Going or... going by what we see in at the end of Empire, Yoda was correct because but, if if you think of it this way, mm-hmm. it's like the Raiders of the Lost Ark argument. If Luke didn't go there, <laughs> Han Han would have still been frozen. Yeah. Leia, Chewie, and Lando, and the dro- and three PO would have escaped. Yeah. However, that's all true. Would they have made it all the way out? Because the hyperdrive yes. was disabled. R two was the one it. that fixed it. Oh, you're right. R two fixed it. R two wasn't there. So I I argued myself the other way. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, they get captured. I think then, don't they? Yeah, because they they're about to go past the super star destroyer. Mm-hmm. Lando hits the hyperdrive, nothing happens. Chewie probably would have gotten there eventually, but by that time the tractor beam would have been on him. Because they're oh. about to capture him when they go to hyperspace. So any any delay would be captured. 
but if you also remember Chewie's whacking at the equipment. I mean, yeah. he's not really being much help. Yeah, Chew- Chewie's like me when my computer dies. Yeah, he's <laughs> work, <great>. damn you! <laughs> so yeah, it may be, maybe yeah, Lando, Lando and Leia may bite it because of this. Yeah, and Chewie, and then Han's gone because yep. there's no one to tell Luke what happened. No, wow. So maybe Luke's right to go. Yeah, and yeah, because if you think about it that way. Let's say, okay, let's leave, let's say that they're captured, right? Yeah. Odds are they're not going to be put anywhere that an infiltration force can get them. So, when everything else happens normally, they, they learn of the Emperor going to the new Death Star, etc., 3PO's not there. 3PO cannot get the Ewoks on the Rebel side. Ooh! The Rebellion fails. Ooh! <laughs> Another strike. Of course, yeah. the, the Rebellion doesn't get captured immediately because of Chewie, but because Chewie's not there either. Because Chewie's not there, but... It, and Chewie's the one that got him captured, but only only a few. But, they, but, but that notwithstanding, still, they can't win the Ewoks over, and the Ewoks help them win that fight. Right, and the, the Emperor... Hence, the Ewoks joined the fight. Yes. <laughs> I've got that tape over here somewhere. I'll bet, I'll bet. Uh, but we have... Yeah, the Emperor already knew the Rebellion was coming there. He had troops in place, ready to ambush them. The only yep. re- reason they got the ambush is because R2 and 3PO brought the Ewoks in. No yep. R2, no 3PO, no Ewoks, the Emperor wins. Even if even if Luke stayed and completed his training and got there, somehow, and did the, let's say he did the exact same thing in, in Jedi, okay, so the Emperor's thrown down... The, sh- the shaft, Vader dies, Luke's a Jedi, great, the Rebellion still hasn't gotten the shield down, therefore the Rebel fleet is toast. Wow. So, yes, after my saying, no, it wasn't the right decision, Luke made the right decision. <laughs> we just went through a whole bunch of Star Wars Infinities right there. Yeah, we did. So now, but Obi-Wan and Yoda are both telling him not to go. Yeah. Well... And when Luke goes back in Jedi, Ryota says, see, I told you so. <laughs> Look at your hand. See what happened when you didn't listen yeah. to me? <laughs> Damn kids. <laughs> I just blew my own mind with that. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, I just, uh, it was, uh, that was pretty heavy duty. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> now, can you... I mean, we've we've more or less gone through pretty much the entire Skywalker family, except for Leia. Yes. Now, Leia, the the only interaction she has with Vader is in Star Wars. Yeah, and she's and she's hard to write back into the saga the way it has unfolded because a you've got this you know this torture scene right in the first film, and you know Vader is so strong with the force he can sense the presence of others he sensed the force in luke didn't sense it anything in leia uh, apparently not unless it was just manifesting in her mental block eh, like then, like what happens with ray not yeah. to that extent but what happens with ray and she turns it back on kylo ren she's then, able to resist him and then and it's never sat right with me after the prequels that that leia can sit and say that her memories of her mother yeah are you know that she was beautiful and she died young and she was very sad and yeah see my I, I mean, when she died when I was young is is an understatement since so she died when you were about five minutes young see my retcon for that yes. is because Luke says your real mother mm-hmm. she doesn't know she's Luke's sister at this point 
is that was actually her adopted mother, Bail Organa's wife. Hmm. Because if you think about it, her memories of her real mother at that mm. point is someone named Organa. So mm. it's possible that it was Bale's wife uh-huh. that but... raised her and knew the history because Bale would tell her this is, you know, this is Darth Vader's daughter. So that that'll be why she says uh, if she ever finds out. Oh boy. Yeah, but now, but when Luke says your real mother, wouldn't yeah. that imply? Does that mean Bale remarried? Maybe. Because when he says that, it's, there's definitely an implication that that somebody you knew as your mom wasn't really your mom. Yeah, and I, that line never really worked for me, just because he doesn't, she doesn't know at this point that she's adopted, or does she? Uh, maybe, but she doesn't maybe. know where she came from. Yeah, but then then the whole point of the real mother thing, she wouldn't have those memories. <laughs> <sighs> this is why this doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, well, that's the end of Revenge of the Sith doesn't sit well with me at all, just because it's Lucas doing a checklist. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, drop yeah, kid off yeah. here, have a kid adopted here, wipe droid's memory. You know, check, 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 check in five minutes. Yeah, that should match up just right, right? Well, yeah. no, not really, because some of the dialogue doesn't still work right. Right. But, what are you going to do? No. It's the way it is, and we're not going to still... special edition it out of, the, out of the way. <laughs> no, we could. Now, let me, let, me, let me go one step further on the whole generational saga. It's one thing I was thinking about the other day, and I haven't heard anybody mention this. Okay. Um, Ben Skywalker. Yes. I think a lot of people have said all along, this is a great nod to the expanded universe, which was wiped clean when they decided to go their own way and do an episode seven. Mm. And, uh, of course, one of the solo kids, no, excuse me, Luke's son was named Ben. Right. In honor of Ben Kenobi, I assume. Yes. And I said one of Luke's kids, I guess that's the only kid he had. Uh, as far as I know, that was the only kid. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so uh, a lot of people felt like, well, naming this kid Ben Solo is kind of a nod back to that and a wonderful tribute. But let me ask you this. If, is it possible that because they knew, I think they knew on the one hand, yes, there's a Ben Skywalker, so you got that going for you. But also, could it have been a contributing factor to know that they're going to have Harrison Ford playing a very emotional scene with this kid and his oldest is named Ben? That is possible, although I would think that Harrison Ford would be a better actor than that and uh-huh. wouldn't need the character's name to be his son's name in order to get the proper emotions out of him. And I think I think with his style of acting, you're probably right. But I just still wonder somewhere if that wasn't a, a consideration. It's possible. Uh, it could be the writers said, oh, we can cover m- multiple bases by doing this. Mm. But it's... I still don't know what the logic is for the character being named in universe Ben Solo mm-hmm. because Ben was important to Luke. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Obi-Wan Kenobi was important to the Organas, obviously. Yeah, but wouldn't it made more sense to name him Bale? Well, let me <laughs> say this. What should have happened mm-hmm. is at some point during the Clone Wars, Obi-Wan should have picked up the nickname Ben. Yeah. Well, and that uh, Ben. Uh, <laughs> no? No, see, and this is the the whole in hiding thing again. Is he he's Obi-Wan until he's in hiding when he becomes Ben. So But do we think Kenobi is like Jones then or, or could, I guess you already have Jones as Starkiller, so yeah. <laughs> Now Kenobi's the Rodriguez. Conobia Rodriguez, okay. <laughs> now it makes sense. Yes. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, Kenobi. You don't see a lot of other Kenobis in the saga either. So I mean, just just well, I call myself Ben Kenobi and wear Jedi robes and be a wizard, and nobody will notice. Yeah, but you see that it that, still doesn't match up for me. That I don't like them being the Jedi robes. That makes more sense to be a desert outfit. Look at how Owen is dressed. Yeah. Owen is wearing, quote-unquote, Jedi robes. Yeah. It's because he's in the friggin' desert. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that Ben is wearing them doesn't necessarily mean that they're Jedi robes until they went backwards and did it in the Mm. prequels. In fact, I like the the Star Wars, the comics, the Marvel comics look of Obi-Wan in his Jedi role better because that is essentially the outfit that Luke wears in Return of the Jedi, except it's got white gloves and white boots. Uh-huh. You know, it's a it's a black bodysuit, you know, with utility belt and boots and gloves. Oh, you're going back to Star Wars 24. Yeah. <laughs> but make make the boots black and tell me that isn't Luke's outfit. You know? uh, yeah, well, it's, it's uh, I think I told somebody the other day I thought it was more the Punisher's outfit, but Well, yeah, he's just missing the skull <laughs> cuz it's pretty skin tight. Yeah. But, it's like a superhero uniform. No, oh, what are Jedi except superheroes? But you know what? Anything from the Marvel Star Wars you want to make canon, I'm okay with. Yes, I I'm right there with you. I, <laughs> I love the whole thing beginning to end. Yes, I even like the retcon of how uh, Jabba the Hut with one T is mm-hmm. just the Jabba the Hut with two T's minion going out to being the face of the organization. Yes, I, I will accept that fully as well, because I love the story where they're trapped in the cave. Oh, with the Metal Eaters? 28, I think, yeah. Yeah, that that was that's interesting. It's like, oh crap, this stuff's all over the Falcon. we got to blast our way out of here! Yes, I love that, it, it, uh, that issue, and I don't think it works with the slug Jabba. No, it can't, because he can't yeah. get out of the, the damn ship then. Because yeah, exactly. the whole point is he ends up on the outside of the Falcon. Let me in! Let me yes. in! <laughs> Unless you got a big tubular spacesuit with a big helmet top on top of it. Yeah, it just doesn't work. Yeah, that would be weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I, I think we've covered this from beginning to end pretty well. What do you think? And I think we've taken every side road that was available to us as well. So yeah, And some that we just bashed our way into. <laughs> yes. All right, well, Scott, I want to thank you very much for being on. I'm so glad you asked me. I am so, seriously, so glad you asked. Yeah, we'll have to do this again sometime. Yeah, sooner rather than later. Yes. Well, why don't you tell the lovely listeners where they can find your melodious tones? Uh, You can find, uh, well, My Star Wars Story obviously is out there. Yep. And uh, it is available at MyStarWarsStory.com. It's also on the Two True, well, the whole thing's not on the Two True Freaks Network uh, feed, but it will be sooner rather than later, as I say again. Uh, it's also on its own feed. Uh, you can also hear me on Dinner for Geeks, however much longer that lasts, uh, which is probably not much longer, but uh, it's also on the Two True Freaks feed as well. All right. and, and Oh, and, and I didn't mention earning my years and growing up Star Wars because it's been so long since we've done one. Oh, you'll get back to that eventually. <laughs> uh, we want to. We really want to. Oh, I know. I can tell from just listening to the episodes how passionate the two of you for earning my ears and the three of you for growing up Star Wars are about the subject matter. It's just real life sucks. Yes. Real life does suck. So check out all those shows, guys. You, if you haven't yet, you will definitely enjoy it. If you've enjoyed this episode, you'll, I can guarantee you, you'll enjoy all the other stuff that Scott does. So 
Once again, thank you very much for being on, sir. Uh, we will get together at some point, even though this is a monthly podcast, so <laughs> I'm more or less planned through the end of the year, but I can throw right, a special I'm right episode in for 2019, in though. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. I I can't say for sure yet, but I might be down in the neck, your neck of the woods sometime in April of next year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I made, I uh, strange you. We were talking today. I made my reservations this morning. Mm. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm I'm trying to make it work mentally. I mean, you know, part of me says, yes, you're going. The other part of me says, can you afford to go? <laughs> so we got always a question. Yeah. So we, we may do some live recording. You never know. Yes. Yes. That would be awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again. And we'll see you next time, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Hammer Podcasts. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to send an email to gene at thehammerstrikes.com. If you like what you've heard, please visit the Patreon page, which is located at patreon.com slash thehammerstrikes, and consider becoming a sponsor of the show. Please be sure to check out The Hammer Strikes on Facebook, Google+, Twitter, and YouTube. The Hammer Podcast is a proud part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. <laughs>